um, the same letter from prison that Paul we've been dealing with in Philippians chapter 1. So if you want to get your Bibles out, just hold them up and then I'll give you a chance to spin them to the right spot here in a minute. Come on, honey. There you go. This is God's word for me today. She was trying to find it and uh, I caught her. Philippians chapter 1. Um, I, I, believe it or not, I'm actually, I'm not going to be here next Sunday. Uh, I told my Sunday school class, I don't get a chance very often to go sit in another church service. Um, and next Sunday, my wife and I are going to be visiting our daughter and we're going to go to their church and sit in and, uh, and just enjoy whatever the Lord has for us down there. Um, and so, uh, Lamont will be sharing with the word next week. Um, and now I forgot where I was going with that. <laughs> uh, oh, so believe it or not, I mean, uh, I've already I've got a message prepared for the week I come back. Unless the Lord changes my heart, I think I will finish uh, finish a series that in this that I've been dealing with. Um, and uh, so that's my plan, unless the Lord changes that between now and when I come back from uh, my little trip. So uh, just so you know. A uh, little side note, um, before we go to church on Sunday, we're going to spend Thursday night, Friday, and Saturday morning at a Southern Gospel concert. Now, come on. Yeah. I'll be so soaked up in Southern Gospel, you won't be able to shut me up. Amen. Um, but anyway, we're looking forward to that. It's something that we've been looking forward to for some time. So uh, pray the weather's nice. We don't drive any snow or anything. So We're in Philippians this morning. Um, and I, I like this. A message and, and the song, some of the songs that, that we did this morning, uh, and not been unbeknownst to me, and I'm sure to Pastor Jared, we didn't coordinate that. But but that that especially that one song that you know that talks about you're gonna pr- we're gonna praise him no matter what. You know, it might be a good day, it might be a bad day. The title of the message is "When Chains Bring Gains," recognizing that sometimes. Through our bad circumstances, God will prosper. Maybe not prosper us financially, may not prosper, but God will prosper our ministry. God will prosper the things that He has called us to do. Philippians chapter 1, verses 12 through 21. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. So that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that, that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former proclaimed Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed, and in that I rejoice. Yes, and I will rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and the help of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, this will turn out for my deliverance, as it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed but that will full courage that with full courage now as always Christ will be honored in my body whether by life or by death for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain lord 
This morning, this is your word, and it's powerful, and it is honorable. And Lord, this morning, may we just allow your word to sink into us and to address our situations and to address our circumstances that we might fully live the plan and purpose you have for our lives. And I thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen. As we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, this letter was written by Paul from prison. And as we think about that, we, we understand that prison, even in the best of circumstances, is not some place we want to be. You see, we look at Paul and we think, wow, the, you know, everybody talks about Paul as this great preacher, this great writer, and he was, and, he, and, and, and what God used him to do is, is still affecting the world today. And we see that and then we see, wow, this man of God was in prison. This man of God endured so many things and yet he writes this beautiful letter. You see, when we look at Paul's response to the chains that bind him, we see a lot about Paul's character. We realize that there's something special about how he responds to the chains that he's under. And we've talked about so many times, it's many times it's more the response to our circumstances than anything else that is important. So we see that Paul's response tells a lot about his character. And the same is true for us. When people see how we respond to our circumstances, they see a lot about our character, whether or not we are really living the way we say we are living. You see, as we look at this this morning, we can learn from Paul's hurt, from Paul's frustration, from Paul's circumstance. And I, hopefully we can do that this morning. The one thing that we see that happened because of Paul's Imprisonment was the advancing of the gospel. Unbelievable, isn't it? See, they put him in prison, tried to shut him up. They, they tried to keep his mouth shut. And instead, what happens here, as we read in, in verse 12, it says, it happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. He says, listen, what has happened to me has, it has caused the gospel to be spread. He talks about, now, why would you even care about your the guys who are imprisoned you. He says, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. You see, sometimes if we feel imprisoned or we feel uh, put upon by somebody, we don't even want them to know Jesus, do we? Man, they're my nemesis. They're the thorn in my flesh. They're the ones who, who constantly are berating me. They're constantly coming after me. And Paul says, listen, here's what has happened. These people have heard about Jesus. You know, I've shared many times about I had one of those at work. And when I thought about it, I, I would just smile and I would just pray for him. He hasn't gotten saved yet. And I, but that my part wasn't to save him. My part was to pray for him. And I would just pray, God, what, he, what he's doing is one thing, but what he needs is you. And it helped me. <laughs> May not have helped him a bit, I don't know, but it helped me because I got the perspective of what's important. 
That's what Paul's saying here. Listen, these guys have put me in prison, and, and prison guards, especially in that day and in that atmosphere, they weren't very kind. But he says, listen, they've heard about Jesus. They, they have heard that I am in here because of my stand for Christ. And so in advance to the gospel, to those who had heard him, those who, who were probably cruel to him, knew that he was there because of his faith in Christ. And so, you know, as we think about how we respond to the people around us that hurt us, do they see in us that we're really living out our faith? Or when they oppress us and come against us, do they see that, now nah, they're just the same old people? Just like I knew they would. They respond, reacted just like I knew they would. See, they don't have anything different. Or when they press us, do they see that no matter what, we're still going to live our life with integrity for Christ? You see, the people who hurt you need Jesus just as much as you do. And I'll go a step further. They deserve Jesus just as much as you do. Because guess what? None of us deserve Him. But He's willing. And He's just as willing to save those who come against you as He was to save you if they will just accept it. If they will accept Him. Just like you did. Sometimes we have a hard time getting that in our brain, don't we? But He also said, listen, it has strengthened the brethren. He says, and most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Now, now think about this. I don't understand it, because let me set this up. Paul spoke about Christ and got thrown in prison. But now the brethren are more bold to speak about Christ, knowing full well that that could be their fate. I don't understand. These people aren't got something right up here, right? But what they got is they got something in here that says no matter what happens, I see my brother Paul, he's in prison for preaching the gospel. You know what? I'm going to preach the gospel as well. If I go to prison, that's fine. If I don't, that's fine. But I, because I can see in him a faith that causes me to want to be like that, causes me to want to live my life for Christ so much that the imprisonment doesn't scare me as much as keeping my mouth shut. The The turmoil that I might face doesn't scare me near as much as what God's going to say if I keep my mouth shut. The life that, that I'm going to lead if I, if I share it isn't near as scary as the life that I'm going to have if I keep my mouth shut. So it, it caused the brothers to get bolder in their preaching. And he also, he also was thinking about those who heard about him. You see, there are people in the world that you don't even know that are watching you. There are people around this town that whether you know it or not, or I know it or not, are watching this church. Maybe they've had an experience with this church in the past. Maybe it was good and maybe it was bad. Come on, it happens. But no matter what, there are people that are watching. Will that church really live up to their faith like they say they will? Or when the time comes, when the pressure's on, will they give in to the worldview? Will they give in to the way of the world? Will they give in to this or will they give in to that? You see, your spiritual impact is greater than you can imagine. 
Your faith on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday is, is greater than you could, is more important than you could even imagine because people are watching. Some people want to see you fail. Some people are quietly hoping you'll succeed. And some people are just hoping you crush somebody. But whatever the case, people are watching. People are watching, and, and how you respond will have a dramatic impact on somebody. So it's our decision to make, our choice to make, is how we will do that, how we will live that. Another thing we see this morning, the gains in attitude. It talks about if we're going to have any kind of spiritual impact, we need to keep the right attitude. And some ways that we need to keep the right attitude is in, is in worship. I talked, our Sunday school classes was on worship this morning and, and recognizing that there are so many different things that pop into your head when you hear worship. When I was, when I was a kid, you know, when, the, when they would say worship, it was just simply that 15 or 20 or however long that singing took place on Sunday morning. That was worship, right? Maybe that's still what comes to your mind when you hear the word worship. But it's so much bigger than that. It's so much more complex than that because worship involves our whole life. But if we worship God, we will truly have an attitude that people will be able to notice. You see... Paul chose to rejoice in the Lord no matter what his circumstance. You see, some of us, when something bad happens, will lose all desire to worship God. We'll lose all desire to go to church. We'll lose, you know, well, if God was God, you know, like he says, I wouldn't be in this situation. I wouldn't have done this or that wouldn't have happened. Or I wouldn't... And so the, sometimes, if we're not careful, the first thing we lose is our desire to worship Him. And I'm not just talking about singing. I'm not just talking about, well, I'm going to go to church today, but I certainly ain't going to sing any of those songs. That's one issue. <laughs> That's not what we're talking about today. We're talking about just worshiping Him. In our private time, in corporate worship, in, in those moments when, when the devil is, is kicking and screaming in your face, if we're not careful, the thing that we let go of first is our worship to God, recognizing who He is and saying, God, you're God, I don't care what the situation looks like. I don't care, Lord, that there's a, that there's a big body of water in front of me and there's a big ugly army behind me and they're closing in fast. I'm going to trust you. I'm going to worship you. I'm going to say, you're God no matter what. Psalm chapter 34 verse 1 says this, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. David, the psalmist, and, and, and I, I've dug in a little bit more on, on some, some of his situation and Man, his sons were coming against him. The people were coming against him. And, and, and yet David was a worshiper. And he realized how important worship was. And giving God praise was. And in spite of the circumstances, in spite of the fact that, that he was under oppression, in spite of the fact the king was out to kill him, he would worship 
God, he would recognize that God was still in control. Paul had confidence in God's will. Paul recognized his attitude towards God's will was important. See, many, many times when we, when we pray, we, we really pray trying to persuade God to do it our way. Now, I'm, probably nobody else has ever done that. I, maybe it's just that I've done that. But, but sometimes we, we try to manipulate God into seeing it our way. Now, you've all met people that were great manipulators, right? Car salesmen, great, you know, uh, not all car salesmen. Some of them are pretty good, nice people. Car salesmen can try to manipulate you into believing that this is the perfect thing for you. Your children would never manipulate you, would they? No, they wouldn't ever try to get you to think something that's not, no. And your spouse certainly would not try to manipulate you. No, but if they did, it would always be in a good way. And yet I believe that sometimes when we pray, we try to manipulate God into seeing it our way so he will do it our way, right? Now, come on, that only makes sense to me because I know best, right? God, you're just not seeing it right. You're not, you know, if you saw the whole picture, God, you would understand where I'm coming from. But, but the Apostle Paul had a, a different view on God's will. The Apostle Paul recognized that whether it was imprisonment or something else, that God's will was supreme and that even if God's will let him into prison, he was going to make the best of a bad situation. I, uh, I, there's a little illustration, and, and I didn't think about it till just now, or I would have tried to find it. But uh, it it's, goes something like this. A uh, wise man who finds a worm in his apple at lunch has fish for supper, or something like that. How many have ever, now come on, how many have ever taken a bite of an apple and found half a worm? Now come on. But what do we do when we find ourselves in a tough spot? Do we, do we begin to look for a way out? Do we begin to blame people or blame God or, or start finding fault? Or, or can we allow ourselves to say, okay, God, I don't know why I'm here. I don't know the purpose, but let me find it in you. Let my attitude be that, that in this circumstance I will find something that is of value, something that is useful, something that has purpose, not just for me, but for those who might have helped put me here, for those who are, who are, who are fellow believers, and for those who might just be watching my life and wondering how I might react in this circumstance. You see, that's not the easy way out, is it? It's easier to blame. It's easier to point your finger. It's easier to say, no, it wasn't me. It's not my fault. And maybe it wasn't your fault. Whose fault was it? Paul was in prison. Oh, it's his fault because he was preaching. He was told not to, right? Sometimes we find ourselves in circumstances that we, we couldn't have avoided as long as we were doing what we were supposed to be doing. And yet, while we're there, we need to find out God, what can you do in me 
and through me in this circumstance. That your will, instead of arguing with God over His will, say, God, I, I don't know exactly what's going on here, but I want to find out. I want to find out what I can do to bring honor and glory to you even though I'm in this desperate time. How can I bring honor and glory to you through my circumstance? Our attitude towards our witnesses is so important in verse 20. As it is my eager expectation and hope that I will not be at all ashamed, but that with full courage, now as always, Christ will be honored in my body, whether by my life or my death. You see, Paul was looking at the big picture. He was looking at the circumstances. He was looking at all those things. And in his mind, in his mind, he knew the better way out was for, for, for him to actually be martyred. He knew that for him, for him personally, he knew what his eternity was all about. But what he said here is, God, I want to I bring you honor and glory whether I live or whether I die. I want it to be about you. I want my life to be about you or I want my death to be about you. And, and we, we get so caught up and wrapped up in this life. And it's easy to do because we have life to live. You know, we've got jobs, we've got bills, we've got kids, we've got grandkids, we've got, we got lawns to mow, and we've got fish to catch. Oh, wait a minute. Wandered off there, didn't I? <laughs> we've got things. We've got life to live. But, but the thing is, if we're not careful, instead of living that life to bring honor and glory to God, we live that life to satisfy our own needs, to satisfy our own desires, to satisfy the things that make us feel good. I like to feel good. I, I, I like to feel good. I do. And God wants us to be there, too. He wants to enjoy life. Don't get me wrong. He wants us to enjoy our kids. He wants us to enjoy our spouses. He wants us to enjoy the great outdoors, hunting and fishing and, 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 and sport. He wants us to enjoy life, but all in the perspective of Him. All in the perspective of when I'm there, God, how can I bring honor and glory to you? When I'm coaching that team, God, how can I bring honor and glory to you? How can I impact these kids' lives for Jesus Christ? Maybe I can't preach at them but maybe I can live my life in such a way that brings honor and glory to you through every way, everything I do and everything I say, may it, may it reflect you living in me. Paul was just wanting, and his desire was that everything that he did in his life, and Paul wasn't perfect. I'm not, not going to stand up here and tell you Paul was perfect. But his desire was that his life would show forth Christ whether it be through his life as he lived it or through the death that he was going to die, he wanted God to get the glory. Not Paul. He, he'd probably be ashamed of us for trying to put him on a pedestal because he didn't want to be put on a pedestal. He wanted to be put in the center of God's will, and he wanted, to be, he wanted his life to be an example of what you can really accomplish if you just sell out for Jesus Christ. You see, I see Paul... Before he headed down that road to Damascus, I see a man who had sold out to religion. If you ask me, would you say, are you a religious person? Yes, I am. I'm not scared of that word. 
Some people are all scared. I don't know. I'm a very religious person. I, I believe in the right way. But Paul had sold out to the religious part of religion, the ritualistic part. And, and Jesus, on that road to Damascus, Jesus showed up so that Paul would experience what the religion was all about. What the book had been written about, it was about Jesus to, that was coming to save men, not from the Roman rule, not from the oppression of the enemy, but to save people from hell. And that's what Paul cared about. He cared about the fact that his life would be lived in such a way that people would come to find Jesus. Not perfect lives, not, not everything go their way, but that people would find out that in spite of all that stuff, Jesus Christ had came to save them from their sin. And that Jesus Christ has provided a way of escape from the evil of this world. Not maybe always in the physical, but in the end, in the he has provided a way of escape. Paul says, my attitude is that no matter what happens to me, I want my life to show Jesus Christ. I want my life to be one that people, that people not see how great I was, but to see the power of Jesus Christ working through my life so that people will come to know Jesus Christ. Which brings us to my final point this morning. His attitude towards those around him, the lost, the world. He, as I read again, verse 21, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. You see, Paul had eternal perspective. Yes, I know. I know, as I've already said, I know that we have to work and we have to pay bills and we have to take care of this. And we have, I know that. Paul realized that. God knows that. God's not telling us to to all, okay, from here on out, we're going to commune here in the church. You can quit all quit your jobs. And, oh, wait a minute, we don't have showers here. Now we can't do that. No! But his view was, his view was, this world is not where my hope is. This world is, my job is not what I'm counting on. But you know, you know, the thing about Paul, and you all know this, Paul was a worker. He was a tent maker. He says in his word, when he went to a town, he would earn a living while he was preaching. Why? Because he didn't want to feel like people were saying, oh, he just comes into town and everybody feeds him and everybody, and then he just doesn't do anything. Paul says, listen, no, when I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to work. I'm going to carry my share of the load. But Paul's worldview is that's not what sustains me. That's not my purpose in life. That's not why I exist. I don't exist to work. I exist. God has created me to have relationship and fellowship with Him and to, and to live my life in such a way that others will come to know Him as well. So as we see that, we understand that our perspective must change from the temporal, from the here and now, from what I can see, feel, touch, and know to what's eternal. That I have my hope set in. That I believe because of the Word, because of what the Holy Spirit speaks, that there is something beyond this life that is so much better that I, I, I put my life in response to that. I put my life in Christ's hands and I accept Him and I live for Him and I allow Him to, to rule and reign in my life so that I can have that eternity. And everyone that comes in contact with me will at the very least know 
that Christ dwells within me. It would be great if we could say, yeah, everybody you meet is going to get saved. Every time you tell somebody about Jesus, they're going to get saved. Every time you have a revival, the whole town's going to get saved. That'd be great. But what we have to do is live our lives in such a way that everyone we meet knows that Jesus is alive in us. We're not responsible to save anybody. We're responsible to live our lives in such a way that we give people the opportunity to come to know Jesus. See, we have missionaries all over the world living in sensitive areas that, that, that can't even openly talk about Jesus unless somebody asks them. But what they can do is they can sit down and they can begin to have a conversation with somebody and they, they, can, they can sit around a table with them and then when the opportunity comes up, they can share Jesus with them. And so our lives need to be lived in our town in such a way that our attitude is, this world is not what holds me. Those things that I love in, in this life are not the reason I'm living, not the reason I'm alive. What, what gets you going in the morning? Coffee? For some of us, yeah. But why do we get up and get going? Because Jesus is alive in us and He's put us here for a reason. And it doesn't matter what you call your job or if you're a stay-at-home person, that's great too. No matter where it is you find yourself tomorrow. Yeah, some of us, you know, are going are, you know, a little different than normal, right, Dave? A little bit. <laughs> I can feel you, brother. No matter where we find ourselves tomorrow, may it be with the attitude, no matter who I bump into tomorrow, no matter who I cross paths with tomorrow, may the Lord open up a door for me that I might be able to show forth Jesus Christ. That they might be curious about why I'm like I am. (laughs) Why I respond the way I do. Why I speak the way I do. Why I don't speak the way I don't. Why I don't go where others go and why I don't do what others do. May there be a curiosity that will allow an open door to reach them for the gospel with the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so I'd ask you this morning, I want you to think about where you're at. And I know that we all come in in different circumstances of life, and maybe this morning you feel like you have been trapped and chained and bound by something, by, by a circumstance or a situation that, is, that, that you just don't understand why you're where you're at. And I would ask you, what are you going to do about it? I'm not going to ask you to, or I'm not, I don't want you to think that I don't care I'm not trying to diminish your circumstance at all because Paul was in prison. He was in prison. Whether We could look and say, oh, you're not really in prison. No, Paul was in prison. So I'm not telling you to look at your situation and say, oh, I'm not in that. I'm not broke. I'm really not. I'm not out of a job. I'm, I really... No, if you're in a situation, understand you're there. And then begin to seek God for what He can do in you and through you while you're in that situation. Instead of, instead of saying, oh God, you, you know, I've been wronged and I've been hurt and I shouldn't be here and, and oh, woe is me. And again, not diminishing your circumstance. But through the Spirit this morning, I just want you to look at it a little bit different and say, God, okay, I, I'm in this circumstance. 
I don't want to be here, and I'm praying that I get out of it. But while I'm here, how can I be used by you? Is it for me to build my faith? Is it to minister to somebody that's hurting and lost? Is it to strengthen those that know me to know that you're in control? Is it to give me a better perspective about eternity? Whatever it is this morning, Lord, help me to see it your way. Help me to allow the chain to bring a gain for me, for those around me, for those who know me and those who don't even like me. Would you bow your heads this morning? Lord, this morning as we come to this point in the service, I I just ask that you would help us to have an eternal perspective on this moment. Because, Lord, in the world's view, it just could be just another service, another Sunday at church, another sermon, another, another message. But, Lord, I believe that you want it to be something that affects our eternity and the eternity of many that may know us or come to meet us in these next few days and weeks. Lord, as we prepare for revival, Lord, help us to see that it's an eternal perspective for us and the opportunity for that same eternal perspective for so many others if we will just be obedient to you. And so, Lord, let our chains bring gain and bring honor and glory to you. With your head's bowed and your eyes closed this morning. If, if you're in this place and say, Pastor, I, I just need God to show me to show me today how I can use my circumstance to bring honor and glory to Him. That's you as we close this morning. I want to pray for you today. There being say, Pastor, that's me. Yes. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for your honesty before God this morning. Lord, there are some people here this morning some tender-hearted people who have responded to your message, to your Holy Spirit. And Lord, you know where they're at right now. And you know the hurt that they might be facing, and you know the struggle that they might be in to, to see things different. But today, God, help us to see it your way. Help us to see it as, as an opportunity, Lord, to further the gospel to further our faith, to further and strengthen our brothers, Lord God, to do something in us that will cause us to see outside of ourselves and to truly see it with an eternal perspective. So that this week, this week, we will be able to make a difference for someone else as we just allow you to use our chains for an eternal gain. Lord, I thank you for those who are honest before you this morning, and I pray that you will meet them in their need, meet them in their honesty, meet them, Lord, as they go out today, that this week they will know that you're with them as they walk in faith. Lord, I do pray for our upcoming revival. God, prepare us, prepare this community, prepare our evangelists, Lord, for the mighty outpouring of your Spirit.
and we thank you for it today in Jesus' name.